Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. Um, I am your host, co-host, um, Brent Smith, along with Pastor Daniel Yelverton, as always. And um, today we are joined by familiar face, familiar guest, Michael Miller. Hey, guys. Um, a semi-regular, I guess you could call him. Uh, he's been with us for a long time and is on as, as much as he can uh, with his schedule. So we are very happy, happy and thankful to have him with us as well. Um, so guys, thanks for tuning in and watching today. Um, to get right into it, we are in 1 Samuel 17 today. And that is the story of what? <laughs> I've never heard I have of it before. No idea. This is the first time I've read this chapter. Wow. <laughs> I've never story, talked to the kids the, either. The story you know? of David and Goliath. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know who this Goliath guy is, though. <laughs> Apparently, he's face. pretty tall. Uh, <laughs> pretty tall, yeah. He is yeah. pretty tall. Um, so, guys, it is a um, a really long chapter today. I know that we've actually been into some shorter ones for a while, but uh, it's uh, reading time is actually around eleven minutes or so today. So, um, since you guys voted a while back and uh, you said that you would want us to read. Um, read the scripture while we're on, or if not, we'll do it on the Dwell app um, when we plug it in for the recording later. We're going to go ahead and get into that reading today after somebody gives us some context, um, a little bit more context than just telling us that it's David and Goliath's story. Um, and, uh, and then we will get into the reading for today. And Daniel's got to go by one o'clock, so we're going to um, keep it a little short today. Well, since he has to go by one o'clock, he should probably give us the context. You know? Really? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, every other reason is why I have to give the context too. <laughs> all right so uh all right so yeah I'll, we'll do context here so um we are still kind of in the conflict between the philistines and the israelites um this was a constant thing going on the israel uh they the israelites are starting to take some of the territory back the philistines have kind of had for a long time they have been longtime oppressors and like arch and villains i would say of the israelites and so saul has been actually having some military victories and so uh, the Israel, so the Israelites now are there, I guess they're camped on two different hills, uh, between the Philistines, there's a valley between them and they're kind of doing what, uh, like champion battle, I guess, which would be, it's a common thing, you know, uh, where they would have, instead of having a bunch of people die over, um, over a battlefield, they would have champions that would fight and that would be whoever won would end up being the victor. Um, so anyway, so Saul is, is king right now, but uh, Goliath is, I guess, from an is it, is it a, he's in a he's a knack, right? Is that the name? Is that a descendant of Goliath? Which no, is basically is like, it, which is Gath. Gath is actually in um, in like the Philistines, it's like a it's like a town in, in the Philistine territory. But I think that this was the kind of person that the Israelites normally trembled in fear of when they first were going into the Promised Land about the giants. So there was a there was a people group that were you know, abnormally tall. And so he would be the one that would kind of descend from that. Um, probably good at basketball. And so anyways, um, so yes, yeah, so <laughs> we're not going kinda, there. We're not doing it today. No, we're not going to do that. No, we don't have time to go to that debate. That's such a simple debate anyways. But anyway, so yeah, so that's kind of what's going on. And David has been it's anointed over. king, but he is still serving in Saul's court. And he's kind of going back and forth from tending his sheep while his brothers are actually enlisted in the army at the time. Um, one interesting thing that I note too, is that, uh, it says earlier that the Philistines didn't allow blacksmiths at all in Israel. And so this would make, uh, Goliath even more opposing by listen, listening to his armor and all the things that he had. He had superior weaponry. He was stronger, larger. He was equipped for war. 
And so that's why I think oh, the Israelites were trembling a lot in fear is because not only are they outmatched size-wise and strength-wise, but also equipment. Fair enough. Yep. Is that all you got? I guess so. Why well, try to keep it simple? <laughs> Just, I don't know. Am I missing anything? No. <laughs> the only thing I would add is is that um, Saul's really starting to, just beginning to kind of see this decline. Um, mm-hmm. Like in, in chapter fifteen, we're seeing that that you know that God's not really happy with Saul. Kind of rejects him. Yep. And so, like Saul has had all these victories and all these good things happening, but we're just entering territory where where David's anointed king, mm-hmm. um, and but but Saul is still the king. So like. This is kind of the beginning of, of the end for Saul. And it's interesting because also when David was anointed, the said the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David on that day that he got anointed as the previous chapter. And then very quickly it tells us that the spirit of the Lord left Saul. So this isn't like a time when the Holy Spirit isn't permeating everybody. Spirit of the Lord is kind of inhabiting or it's kind of indwelling into specific people at the time. Um, and also, yes, yeah, Saul is definitely starting to descend into madness. All right. So with context and with everything set up for David and Goliath today, we'll go ahead and get into today's reading. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokot in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Sokot and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three eldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. 
Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done? said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, 
the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Shearaim road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistine's weapons in his own tent. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? Abner replied, As surely as you live, your majesty, I don't know. The king said, Find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I am the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. All right. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, oh, so, yeah, that was our reading for today, uh, the story of David and Goliath from 1 Samuel 17. Um, that's a pretty good story. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think we, like, we go, we bypass it because we've heard it so many times, and, but it is. I mean, it is a great story, yeah. right? Great. Plus, like, you know, David's walking around with a head for the day, you know, like he's just carrying it around like, doo -doo -doo -doo. yeah, you know, this, this reminds me, I, I taught a, a Facebook live lesson over a month ago now 
about this for the kids. Um, Cause I was trying to teach them like how to read the Bible. And, and I, I told them that, you know, stories are a good place to start. Cause I mean, for kids, it's tough to start with wisdom literature or poetry or even like, you know, new Testament letters. Some of that stuff's really hard, but like stories like this are a great place for kids to start. And, 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 and though this is advice for kids, it's also advice for adults, a good way to read stories. And I teach my Chinese students this every day too. Um, a good thing to do is identify the characters. One thing that I noticed that I hadn't really noticed before, there's a character in here that I had never really thought about is that Goliath had a shield bearer. Mm-hmm. So like we picture this fight with David versus Goliath, but it almost feels like it may have been like two on one, mm-hmm. like there's a shield bearer. And, and I had never pictured that. So again, looking at all the characters is important and looking at the setting, realizing that they are between you know, they're in a valley between two hills. So, um, you know, it's a good place to fight because it's tough to run away. And we see that when the uh, Philistines try to run away, they get caught because they got to run up a mountain, right? Um, so character setting, and of course the plot, which is what happens. And then the difficult part, and which is the reason why we have a podcast, <laughs> is to determine the theme. So reason why I say determine the theme is to figure out why was this story included in the Bible? Because there are probably millions of stories that aren't in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So why was this one selected? So again, characters, setting, plot, and themes are really important to check out. And Daniel knows all of those things. (laughs) (laughs) He knows knows all the characters. He knows the setting, the plot. He's got it all. (laughs) Except I just don't know their names, right? And just insert my own name into there. (laughs) (laughs) I bet the shield bearer's name was Brent. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I do like that. to i do like to imagine him though like because he's you know he's probably been with goliath for a while he's probably pretty confident i like to imagine him as like one of those little like weasley sidekicks like oh yeah you're about to get it Talking dude he David, talks you know? he talks some smack <laughs> i mean if you look what he actually says a lot of the things that we think it's it's um goliath speaking yeah it's his little smack talking shield bear that's actually saying <laughs> stuff <laughs> Uh, where where is it? Uh, <laughs> His little smack talking show. Bear. Trying to find it's in like the first you know ten verses, but he's I mean he's talking some smack. Yeah, um, but I just love you know. I'm sure he was so confident, and then one rock, and his yeah. big champion's gone, and they never mention him again. I guarantee you he dropped that shield and ran like he'd got, you know. Oh, no joke. Well, it's like the rest of the Philistines did the same thing. Like, they just, yeah. like, bolted, right? So, like, <laughs> and I think it's one of those things that um, I think there was, like, a reverence to the God of Israel. Like, I think they, even though they defied him, like, when they saw that they were beaten, like, there was, like, like almost like the gods were fighting for the Israelites. Yeah. Like, they just, they just run. Like, it's, like, it's kind of Because they're not like, running from David with a stone. The whole army's not running from him, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I mean, imagine this, and I'm not saying that we're the bad guys, but just thinking about weaponry and manpower, think about the United States Army, and they're not United States military, not just the Army. Mm. I mean, think of our Air Force, the the superior jets that we have. Think about our air defense artillery, like, go ahead and try to bomb us. We have have stuff that will blow your bombs out of the sky. Yeah. You know, we have air superiority, you have ground superiority, and and we have some of the finest soldiers and Marines that can can do amphibious attacks and yeah. land attacks. You know, I mean, 
we really have the best military in the world with the best equipment, the best training, the most money spent. So like we are like awesome when it comes to fighting. This would be like if some, you know, small outfit that, that doesn't have even body armor just come out, comes out and waxes the floor with us. Yeah. Um, that, that's what this is. That's what this is like. Um, the, the Philistines, they have all the superior stuff and Israel doesn't, but what Israel has <laughs> is God. Right. And, and, and we see that if you have God on your side, um, you know, obviously amazing miracles can happen, but you know what, Brent, another thing we see though is, um, and, and we've seen this in judges and we'll see this, you know, later. Um, just because they're Israelites doesn't always mean God's on their side. Um, there are times when, when God's not happy with Israel. So it's not just about being an Israelite. It's about kind of being in the center of God's will. Yeah. And I mean, my biggest takeaway in this whole thing is um, David's confidence in God. The confidence that he has in his ability through God, but just the, the confidence that he's just putting himself out there in this situation that all these other soldiers that are older than him, they're more experienced than him. None of them have wanted to step up to Goliath because they haven't thought about doing it in God's name. They've just thought about, well, I'm not big enough and strong enough to take, take this guy on, but he steps out and he doesn't care that he's young. He doesn't care that he's a shepherd. You know, he doesn't care about any of that stuff. He cares that, um, that he has God on his side. So he's just going boldly and confidently into it. Like almost where you're like, you know, if you didn't know the power of God, you'd be like, this dude's an idiot. Like he's well, just yeah, stepping what, up Saul says. confidence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Saul says that like, mm-hmm. dude, what are you doing? Like you're, you can't do this. You know, you're going to lose. I think what's really interesting though, is that you make a great point is that not only is it confidence in what, uh, that God is with him, but he remembers every time that God has been with him before. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why he says I can defeat him is because I've defeated lions and tigers and bears. And oh I have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my. And so, uh, and whenever they charged at him, the Lord delivered him. And, and I think that's really, to me, that stuck out so much is that there's this, there, we get spiritual amnesia when God comes through, right? Like we'll like forget that God has come through in really mighty and amazing ways in our life. And then all of a sudden, like a situation will come up and we'll get, you know, distraught or uh, feel like, oh my gosh, how are we going to get through this? And I think we can apply it to this season right now, right? Where God has, has proven himself so faithful to us in the past, but in a new season where it seems like the the present giant or the present issue, right, is so much bigger than what we can even imagine that we make God small and everything that he's done for us, it's almost like we forget it. And David is... I think not only is David unique because the Lord was with him, which is cool because we have the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus, but also he didn't have that spiritual amnesia. He was able to remember all of the things that God had done for him and how he had delivered him. And so he had placed his confidence in him. It's like what Paul says in second Corinthians chapter one, where he says like, you know, we, we stopped relying when all these bad things were happening in our life, we stopped relying on ourselves and began to rely on God and he rescued us and he continues to rescue us. So it's like the God did this. He will continue to do this. So we have placed our hope and trust in him. And David, I think is like, God was with God's with me. God has been with me. He will be with me. Now I can place my confidence in him. It's kind of like a, it's almost like there's, there's, like you see him already kind of having that confidence 
mentally and he's living his life based on the confidence. Yeah. It's like a track record. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, just, it's, it's always been, so he's, yeah. And, and what's sad is the, we see the kind of the opposite with Saul. Um, Saul starts strong. He wins battles. He's kind of doing the right things. And, and like Daniel said earlier, that the spirit of God kind of leaves Saul. But you know what? I've been, when I've been reading some of those, these Old Testament stories, I've been trying to read it, read it in a new way and kind of ask a new question. Like, what could have happened? Because I think when we find out what, what could have happened, we kind of see why what happened happened, you know? And I was thinking about, about Saul. This is a pivotal point in Saul's character development or lack of development, I guess you could say. Because in the next chapter, we start seeing that Saul is jealous of David. Now, imagine what could have happened. See, David, like you said, Daniel, David was not about himself. He, was saying, he wasn't saying, hey, I'm going to defeat this, this guy because I kill lions and I kill bears. You know, He's not saying, I'm going to defeat him because I am awesome. He said, no, I'm going to do it because the Lord has delivered me from these things. It's like you said, he's remembering what God has done. But, but Saul, instead of thinking about what God can do for Israel, even if he has to take a lower position, right? Instead, his jealousy, he creates a war within Israel, like a civil war. So yeah. like, imagine what could have been, because we see like the history, like, well, what's our history and what's their future at this, you know, in this passage, bad things happen later. And, it's, and it starts because of Saul. Yeah. Imagine if Saul would have been like a team player, imagining, you know, God, because his son, Jonathan did that. Yeah. His son, his son, Jonathan could have said, you know what? I'm taking up my father's war. I'm going to fight with you, David. I know we were best buds, but this is it. And, and, and I'm leaning on my own strength, but Jonathan didn't do that. So I just think that's interesting. I think in, in our lives, um, we have to be careful of this whole jealousy thing, you know? You know, Michael, you speak a really great point. And I think that I saw a huge parallel that I've never seen before in this uh, scripture between uh, David and Saul and Cain and Abel, right? And mm. so what's interesting is that the reason that um, Saul, like Abel, like Cain's offering was rejected because he didn't do what was right. There was, there was like a lack of obedience there, right? And so instead of then in turn trying to do what is right, like act, act towards repentance, it instead turns, he shifts and goes, gets angry with his brother Abel. And nice. So murders Using him the word because shift. Of, because <laughs> of, yeah, I know, with the F. And so, um, right. and so, and so anyway, so, yes, yeah, very important word, or letter, I should say. And so I think it's really interesting because Saul has, you know, he's the king of Israel. He could go out there in the power of the, saint, of the Lord and he can go and defeat the Philistine like he could, you know, because. You know, and so I think that obviously there's the shift because of what Saul has done and that the spirit of the Lord has left him. And I think because of that, that's probably he started relying on his own kind of abilities and his own kind of confidence. And that starts to deteriorate. But it's interesting to me that that <laughs> David stands up and does what is right because he trusts God. Abel was doing what is right and he gave the right offering to the Lord. Cain did not bring the right offering, and then so the Lord rejected it. Saul did not bring obedience, and he got rejected. And then out of that, instead of dealing with the issue, just like the same advice that God gave Cain said, you know, sin is eager to control you. You'll see that in Saul's story, that the jealousy and anger control Saul, consume Saul, and ultimately leads to the downfall of him and his entire family. And, and so 
I think that that's really interesting as how, how that kind of progression happens between the lack of obedience to not being able to recognize that, okay, I need to turn from my disobedience and obey and instead shifting in that anger towards somebody who's actually doing what's right. Like, cause David's like, I'm just doing what God has kind of called me to do anyways. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, so uh, we're going to have to wrap it up in just a minute, but I did notice, um, Daniel, I know that you read from NLT. Um, mm-hmm. When you're reading in ESV, I just, while you were talking, I, I saw your name on the screen again a second ago, and I remembered our conversation from earlier. So if you're reading in the ESV version, um, when David's talking about the lions and the bears, uh, verse 35 says, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. So. Maybe you don't need to be so envious of Michael's beard. No, no beard envy right there. <laughs> I think another thing too, I know we got to go, um, yeah. but another thing I think was really cool is David knew who he was in, in how God had wired him and how God had gifted him to where when he tried to put on Saul's armor, it didn't fit. It didn't mm-hmm. work. And I think that there's a spirit of comparison that we have in our world right now, especially with how connected we are to mm-hmm. where we try to feel like we are not the right people unless we're doing these things that we admire or how it's supposed to be done. But God has uniquely wired us to, to work in the gifting that he has given us. And so when, but when we try to put on the other people's armor, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't work right. It actually becomes more restrictive and less productive. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is, I think for us, something to really evaluate. Are we trying to put on someone else's armor? Are we trying to fill somebody's shoes that's not really for us and not yeah. on our calling, even not in our gifting? Yeah, yeah you know, and that, and that can good. be, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'll word, be a little Daniel. bit transparent here that I've, I've gone through that myself, like with this quarantine stuff. Um, I've struggled because I've really wanted to make a difference with the kids and I feel like I haven't gained the traction that I'd like. So I started to get jealous of the other staff members, you know, and, and I realized, you know, you know, God kind of had to, to, to help me, you know, work through that, like kind of give me one of those, you know, who are you moments? Um, I think that if we have our identity um, based upon someone else and what someone else is doing, that can breed that jealousy. And I think instead we need to, to, to take a step back and ask that question, who am I in Christ? What is, what has God called me to be? What is God asking me to do? It's not, what is God asking someone else to do? And how do I stack up to that person? It's, you know, what is God leading me to do in my relationship with him? So yeah. that's something that, that I'm, I'm working through in this season is, is, you know, continuing to understand what God has called me to be. And I would encourage us as we read this lesson or not lesson, but read this scripture to do those same things, to think about, you know, who we are and instead of being jealous like Saul was. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap up because Daniel's got to go and we're going to finish up there anyway. Um, everybody knows a lot about David and Goliath, so we don't probably need to spend as much time in it today anyway. But um, Daniel, would you pray us out? Because I know yeah. that you've got to go. So one of us might end up in a long prayer and uh, keep you longer than you want to be. So I'll let you kind of finish us out today if you would, please. Roll out. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, dear Jesus, thank you so much uh, for this time. Uh, thank you for my brothers uh, in Christ and Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we are able to read about the story of David. Uh, we're able to learn from his example. And God, may we walk in the path, in the trajectory, in the design that you have built for us. Uh, God, may we not envy other people's gifts. May we not become uh, jealous over how things are working in other people's lives. But God, may we trust you just like David trusted you. 
May we trust you that since you have delivered us and you have worked in our life and before, you will continue to do that work, that we don't need to manufacture that, that, that you are the one that goes before us, that the, bat, the battle is yours, the victory is yours. Uh, so let us be instruments in your hand, God, for your glory. And God, may uh, ultimately you grow us and shape us and mold us to become more and more like Jesus. Um, and so God, I just pray that you would bless everyone that's listening to this podcast, that's joining us on Facebook Live. And Lord, may uh, we learn from this story. May you teach us and show us, Holy Spirit, how to live. And God, I pray that in all things that we would still just uh, exemplify that same kind of trust that David can have, that he can be so outmatched, but it doesn't matter because the victory is already yours. And so we trust you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen.